DJ, PK, and Ben Anderson joins us now, jazz writer for KSLSports.com. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So, Ben, we have been discussing the topic, the jazz. What about this season has really surprised you? Where have they really overachieved? And uh, I said, you know, the three-point shooting, I knew they'd be good. Obviously, they led the league last year, and I could even see that number ticking up a little bit. Can't say I thought they'd be shooting 40% right now. Niang puts the ball on the floor and is more effective than I expected. But I'm, I'm kind of looking at small things. Largely, it seems like, at least in my view, everything's trended towards the most optimistic end of what was possible. So I guess that would be the biggest surprise. Do you see it differently? Or do you see it yeah, that I, way? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the fact, other than Boyan Bogdanovich, basically everything that could go well feels like it has gone well, including the defense getting back into the top 10 and the top 5 and over the last eight games, it's what, number two or number three now? So uh, I think Derek Favors coming in and having the impact that he's had, even though it doesn't seem like he's had a big statistical year, clearly he's a part of the reason that the defense is back. Everyone else kind of clicking in and figuring out how to do what Quinn Snyder wants defensively, uh, wants, wants them to do defensively to get them back to that place where they were two years ago, three years ago. And that's just kind of this weird constant trade-off you always have to deal with as a young team that's trying to learn how to win by playing ugly games the way the Cleveland Cavaliers do now, the way the Memphis Grizzlies do now. And then you say, okay, we've got our offensive star. We're going to start putting in offensive people. And then can you maintain that defense? And most teams can't. And the really good teams do figure out a way to do it. And that's what the Warriors did a few years ago. That's what the Jazz are trying to do right now. And it seems like it's clicking. It seems like they're figuring it out. So I think you're right. The, the fact that everything has seemed like it's come up you know, in the jazz direction has been has been surprising, and that's that's what good teams do. So, what do you believe about this team? I, I believe in the depth. Uh, I think first and foremost, I think that's probably the most proven thing because you're seeing pretty consistent play night in and night out from everyone other than Bogdanovich, like we talked about. Uh, I, I think the fact that they can go really nine deep, especially if George Niang is playing as well as he is. I mean, I think that's a pretty legitimate talent and then skill that the Jazz have that. You know, George Niang is your ninth guy and is better than what, probably the other 25, 26, 27 ninth men in the NBA. I think that's probably fair to say. So if, if everybody's top three or four at their role, you know, if your best player is other than, you know, maybe your best player being uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and he's not, you know, the, the top three best player in the NBA, he's probably top 15 in the way he's playing right now. Maybe he's knocking on the door at top 10. Uh other than that, you know, if Rudy Gobert is your, your second best player, how does he compare to another team's second best player? He's, he's probably really good. He probably ranks up there quite high. If Mike Conley's your third best player, now you're really starting to climb it. You know, he's playing at an MVP level right now. You look at all of his advanced metrics, he might be the best third best player on the team in the NBA. And then if Boyan Bogdanovich is four, and you kind of go down that list, and the Jazz keep getting better. If Jordan Clarkson's your sixth man, well, we know he's the sixth man of the year right now. If Joe Ingles is your seventh, well, okay, Joe Ingles better than anyone else else's seventh man right now. So I think that's what I really believe in is the depth of this team is, is as good as anybody in the NBA. So what does that mean for comparing them to the other elite teams? Because I watch the Lakers and you don't want them to be good and you don't want them to dominate. But man, they look good. And man, yeah, are they and dominating. Night, yeah, and what LeBron did last night, he had 46 points on 26 shots and you know made 19 of them and was 7-11 from three. He's just you know, that's why you have to have that guy. And going back last week to, to Shaq's point that, that nobody liked was that, you know, is Donovan Mitchell better as a second option? Yeah, 
if you can have Shaq, or, I mean, if you can have LeBron, or if you can have Kevin Durant in front of them that have those ability to hit those types of shots. And look, we saw Donovan Mitchell do that last year in the playoffs. He had those types of numbers. He had these ridiculous 50-point games. But, yeah, if you can have a LeBron James, if you can have a James Harden or a Kevin Durant or these guys who truly are some of the you know four or five best players to ever put on a basketball uniform, that probably would benefit the Jazz and benefit Donovan Mitchell, but they don't have that guy. So is Mitchell capable of being all league? And you have 15 guys basically being all league. So if he's third team, can he be second? And if he's second, can he be first or none of the above? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can be all NBA guard. Uh, you know, there's six of those guys that, that end up making it. So I think there's a chance he can be in that conversation, especially if you do start watering down a couple of places where we would assume that James Harden and Kyrie Irving would both make it, especially if they were on different teams. But now they're not on different teams anymore, and probably only one of them makes it. And that opens up a slot for Donovan Mitchell and some of these other guys that are knocking on the door, and deservedly so, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, some of that might come down to team success, or maybe if Devin Booker and Chris Paul are on the same team, they cancel one of their two spots out that they could potentially earn. So I could see Donovan Mitchell, especially if the Jazz finish with the second-best record in the NBA or second-best record in the West. I think the Jazz deserve a spot. I don't know if Rudy Gobert gets it this year. I think you're going to look at some of the other big men around the league, and I think Rudy deserves it. I don't know if his numbers are going to reflect it because some of his minutes are down and so a few of his averages are down. Uh, but the Jazz would have to get a spot. You know, you kind of earn that spot, that token spot of if you're good enough to make an all-star team. If you're one of the best teams in the NBA, someone's got to make it, or two of your guys have to make it. The Jazz benefited from that last year. That could turn into an all-NBA appearance for Donovan this season. So what are you looking to change and improve and tighten up, or they've hit their ceiling in your mind? Uh, I mean, Boyan will get better. I think that's pretty fair to expect. I think he generally clicks in a little bit later in the season. I know last year he started pretty hot other than the preseason, but then once the regular season started, he was ready and seemed like he was really going. But I think the risk is still, he's still trying to figure it out. I think he's still trying to get confidence back. I think he's overthinking a shot a little bit, and he kind of does a lot of the sidesteps that he probably doesn't need to do right now, but it's like he's not quite comfortable just catching and shooting where it felt like last year his quick release was as good as anybody in the NBA and maybe as good as anyone the Jazz had had. So I think that will get better. And that's scary because, you know, the Jazz have, what, six players shooting over 40% and he's not one of them. And last year he was arguably the most prolific three-point shooter in the NBA as far as attempts and shooting over 40%. So as that continues to get better, the Jazz ability to hunt these threes and hit these threes is going to get better. And that's that's going to be scary for, for opposing teams because – you know, they, they already get a ton of threes up, and they already make, you know, a, not a majority of them, but, but more than anyone else in the NBA. So if they can keep doing that, they're going to they're gonna get more dangerous. And if Boyan can add to that and improve it, you know, the sky really kind of is the limit for this team. How far away do you think they are from the Lakers? I, I think they're a puncher's chance away from winning any game, and that's probably the right idea of what they could do. You know, they, they just want to be able to deliver a knockout blow, and a knockout blow is – you hit nine threes in the third quarter. And they can do that, you know, or nine threes in the first quarter and you're up 39 to 27. And you say, well, that's a 12-point lead. We've given ourselves a chance to not lose a 12-point lead over the last 36 minutes. Or it's a four-point game in halftime and you hit those nine threes in the third quarter. And, and that's what we saw against the Hawks a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. That's what we've seen against New Orleans a couple of times. That's what we saw against Golden State where you turn a four-point game into a 22-point game, regardless of what the other team does. Because even if you're trading baskets, if you're hitting threes, and the Lakers can't hit threes at the same rate the Jazz can, they're really good, but they can't hit them at that rate, uh, you know, maybe you 
build up a, a, a nine or a ten point lead because you did hit seven more threes or you got the free throw line and, and you build a double digit lead going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, that, that's the boxer who just wants to throw haymakers and, and knows they're not as skilled as the other team. And, and the Jazz are still pretty skilled, but, but that's going to be their best, their best option to beat those teams. So they, they've got a puncher's chance. And I think that's good because they didn't have that two years ago or three years ago. And I think they realized that. So if the Ben Anderson joining us, kslsports.com, if things play out uh, kind of like they did last year and the way they look right now, if the Lakers are one and the Clippers are two and if the Jazz are able to get the three seed, uh, and even if they catch the Clippers, it's still two versus three in the second round. I know we're all obsessed with the Lakers and they're the champs, so why wouldn't we be? But a Jazz Clippers second round series, what does that look like? I think Jazz can beat the Clippers the same way Denver was able to beat the Clippers last year. They they still lack some of the things that I think they need to slow the Jazz down. Specifically, they just don't have a good rim protector. And I know they went out and got Serge Ibaka to kind of come in and, and fill that role and try and be one of those guys. And he's fine. You know, he he has a really good season last year in, in Toronto, but that hasn't quite translated. And I know they're still really good. And I know they're also one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And I know they're one of the best three point shooting teams in the NBA. So they do a lot well. The Jazz would struggle to find an answer for Kawhi Leonard, but everybody in the NBA does. But I don't see them stopping the Jazz from running their stuff. And that's really hard. If you're going to let the Jazz run their system, they're going to get 43s a game. And if they take 43s a game, right now their average says they're going to hit 18. And I just don't think a lot of teams in the NBA can beat the Jazz if they hit 18 threes on a night. So uh, if you're going to allow them to do that, and you know we saw the Jazz beat the Clippers when, when they weren't playing their best basketball this season. Uh, the Jazz weren't, I should say. I think the Jazz absolutely can beat them. So, and, and the Jazz were good against them last year too. You know, the, the Jazz played really well against uh, LA. They even went on the road and won. I think it was Jordan Clarkson's second game. Donovan Mitchell had a big game. Rudy tends to play pretty well against them. So, I, I don't think that's actually a terrifying matchup. I don't think that's the one the Jazz would be most afraid of. Certainly, uh, it doesn't compare to the Lakers. Did Shaq do the Jazz a favor? I. I I think he got them some sympathy. I don't know if that's doing them any favors, but you know, I'm sure it affected Donovan Mitchell. I'm sure that's not fun. I just I can't imagine working so hard to get to the NBA and how difficult that must be, and then working so hard to become a good NBA player and an NBA player that matters, that's worth having a TNT post game show, and then you get that opportunity and you play well on national TV and you have 36 points and what was it, you know, 20 in the first half or 21 in the first half. And then you put on a headset and someone tells you you're not good enough. I, I just, I, I'm sure that's hard. I'm sure that's crappy. And, and Shaq is, you know, one of the 10 greatest players of all time. So I, I'm sure that's a really bad feeling. And, and I don't think Donovan Mitchell is necessarily the Darren Williams type. You guys remember Darren would get slighted for the all-star game and would go on a tear over the last 30 games of the season and be great. I, I don't think that's how Donovan Mitchell's wired. I, I don't think that's how he operates. I think that's more how Rudy operates. Uh, Donovan said he's a chip-on-his-shoulder guy. He doesn't wear it outwardly uh, the way some of these other players do. So I think he probably got him some sympathy. I think he probably showed, you know, shown some, some light on, on how good they're playing this year, even if his goal was to do the opposite. So is Shaq essentially right, though, because in the history of the game, six-foot guards just don't lead teams to championships? And so no matter what you say when you're with a superstar, you can just keep moving the goal line, moving the goal posts, and like, well, and, and if they bring in another player, then you can say, oh, well, that player's really the guy. I mean, it's, there's a chance here to move the goal line, so unless Donovan wins a title while averaging 40 points a game, there'll be some way to shape the argument to say, yeah. 
that that's I was right. Yeah, I mean, I think in a vacuum, what he said was right. I, I think there's a time and a place for having that argument, and and you know, a, a way to do it. Uh, and that was not what Shaq did. I mean, Shaq tried to do it bluntly, and it seemed like he, you know, pretended he was trying to, you know, make a point to Donovan to challenge him, and, and it was just a very poorly, you know, executed uh, plan if that's what he was trying to do. But yeah, you look back at guys who are under six five who have won championships as the best player on their team, and it's you know two names, maybe it's three names. It's Isaiah Thomas, and it's. Step, was Chauncey step. Phillips the best team on that 04 Pistons team? I don't know. He kind of gets the credit for it, but you know, Rasheed might have been on any given night, or, or or you know, Ben Wallace was on any given night. Rip Hamilton was on any given night. So those two guys have done it. Obviously, Steph did it, and even then, Steph wasn't winning Finals MVPs because it seemed like somebody else needed to step up or have these big, you know, these big postseason runs or seven game series. Whether it was Andre Iguodala or Kevin Durant coming in and obviously pushing them over the edge where they were so good. So I do think it's really hard to be a guard in a big man's league and, you know, or, or at least a tall league and have success. But the Jazz are kind of built a little bit more like those Pistons teams, the, the Isaiah Thomas or the Chauncey Phillips teams. But, again, they, their seventh man was better than your seventh man. You know, Mehmet Okur was really good coming off the bench, or Corliss Williamson was really good coming off the bench. They, they just have depth. Those Warriors teams had a lot of depth, too. So I think that's what the Jazz are trying to do. And maybe in that case, if everybody's elevated, you can have a player like Donovan Mitchell be the best player on a championship team. And I think that's fair. Ben Anderson joining us, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com. I guess lost in all of this is the fact that the draft day comparison for Donovan was Dwayne Wade. And Wade was the second best player on three championship teams, one with Shaq and two with LeBron. So I guess in some way this whole discussion, Donovan's just zoomed right past that comparison, which for any rookie on a draft day is outrageous, right? You're a rookie, you've done nothing, and this guy's a three-time champion and a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, you know, maybe Shaq was the second-best player on some of his teams. And, you know, I always thought he was kind of the engine or the diesel that made those run because he drew so much attention and and did free things up for Dwayne Wade and did free things up for Kobe. Uh, on their last championship team. I know he was certainly the better of the first of their two. So, um, you, you know, being the second-best player on a championship team is, is quite an honor. <laughs> so, so a lot of guys who, who, who only, you know, Will Chamberlain was the second or third-best player on a championship team at one point. So it, it's not the worst thing. And, yeah, I mean, Dennis Lindsay, I just have to imagine every day, look at what Donovan Mitchell does and just cackles and just laughs. that they, This player turned up out of nowhere they turned nothing into him, you know. I mean, they turned Trey Lyles, who was just a journeyman, and Tyler Lydon, who I don't think is in the NBA anymore, into this guy who, you're right, kind of deservedly is earning these comps to these unbelievably great players and is on a trajectory right now, having made an all-star game in his third season and is averaging 24 points a game and looks like that's always going to be what he's able to do and it's getting better everywhere else. He's turning into one of the elite shooters in the NBA, which was really kind of his question coming out of college. He just... Yes, I mean, he's just a magnificent basketball player, and, and the Jazz got very lucky to have him. And, and worrying about whether you're the second-best player on the championship team or not is, is, you know, kind of missing the point. Well, Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on the show again, and we will uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in the arena one day, you know, when there's 18,300 people there and uh, media people everywhere. Thanks, guys.